When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing out another mailbag episode where we put the bat call out on social media today. And thank you guys so much for giving us so many questions. And uh, for those of you that don't know, um, most of you probably do, but we actually have a Hockey Think Tank podcast Instagram page now. And so many questions came through that page. So we so appreciate you guys all reaching out. We love doing these mailbag episodes just to hear from you and what you guys want to know and what you need advice on. So before we get to those questions, let's get to the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lavecchio. Vex, what's going on today? Just shaking Vegas off, baby. Shaking the Vegas off of my life. Yeah, little little Vegas hangover. <laughs> no, I know you don't no. really drink, but no, you know. it was it was more just not working for four days. I mean, I did a little bit of work, but not you know like usual. So that was just weird, man. Do you feel weird when you go on vacay and like you know you work because like, you're a very yes. hard worker, you work a lot, and then you're like, what do I do with my hands? I, I don't <laughs> know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I am. I have I that's pretty good. Um I have a very bad problem of not being able to turn it on and off. And so like moderation is not something I'm very good at. And so yeah, like when I go on vacation and have to turn it off, it's like hard for me. Usually like the first couple of days are tough and then I'll kind of ease into it and be be a little bit okay if it's a little bit more than that, but uh yeah, it's uh especially for you guys and the people that went with you, like I'm sure you guys were like almost like yeah. Like twitching yeah. the first couple of days and then Yeah. All four all you know, four of us entrepreneurs and just like do a lot of things. And so it's just like <laughs> but we kept just telling each other we need I'm this. I'm a mime. <laughs> oh, I'm a mime. I'm a mime. <laughs> I'm a mime. If anybody gets that quote, you are Tofanai's best friend. All right. Because yes, that's pretty 100%. obscure. So if you get that, good for you. Jeff's gonna give you free workouts on Train Heroic. I will give, I'll send you hip mobility for free. If you, for you or your child, if you know what that quote is from, Boom. <laughs> there we go. Let's DM go. Me. Challenge. <laughs> All right. Challenge accepted. Yes. I can get free hip mobility. <laughs> yeah, um, man. Yeah. Back at it today. Back in the gym. Got a lot of pro guys, uh, uh, coming back in. Um, so that's good. Uh, Dobis who, uh, signed, uh, he was the Ohio state absolute stud goalie. It was his first day back in the gym. Um, signed with uh, the Canadians. So cool to see him and uh, get back in the gym with the boys. Awesome. I have three things for you right now. Mm. A, 
two, and D. Yes, a, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> first of all, Dobis. So I just want to tell everybody. So this is a guy that signed with um, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, our arch nemesis, as he was the goalie at Ohio State. I am at Michigan currently. And, um, but it was interesting. So they pregame skate before our pregame skate. And I remember just like going to the rink beforehand and he's the only guy on the ice. He's the only guy on the ice after everybody else is gone and he's doing his really holy thing. And, and, and I'm sure you're not surprised by that, by the way that you talk about him on the podcast. Um, so just for all the players out there, especially the goalies, you know, like not a, you know, not a weird. Yeah. He's the last guy on the ice and he's doing extra work on a game day that they beat us. And, uh, and yeah, and he's, yeah, he's signed in the NHL. Not a big deal, dude. I mean, I think I've told it on the, on the podcast before, but it's funny because, you know, today's the first time I've seen him since he signed it in person and stuff and gave him a big hug. And and he said it multiple times today. Um, He said to me, like, it's weird. It's weird being in the pro group. It's weird being in this group, you know, cause he's been in the college group before that he was in my junior group. Cause I separate them by, by level. And he just kept saying to me like, it's weird to be here. It's weird. It's weird to be in here with these guys. I'm like, it's not weird, bro. You earned it. Like what Tope was saying, man, like that's so cool because that's obviously one of the main reasons. I mean, he, the kid used to send me pictures of his food. Like he came from Czech. Um, we coached him when he was eight, 17, didn't, didn't know a lot about nutrition, uh, didn't speak a lot of English. And he would just take pictures of his food at school, at home. What could I do better? You know, what am I missing? Just like every day for like a month, sent me every meal, would take a picture of him stretching at night to hold himself accountable, to like hold himself, like not me being like, hey, do this. He's like, okay, I'm going to send you a picture so you know I stretch every night. And I'm like, you know, like didn't miss a workout the whole second half of his U18 hockey season despite playing on two different teams. Like it's not an accident, you know? So yeah, love it. Anyways, love this episode. I love mailbag episodes. I'm psyched. Let's mailbag. Okay. No, you have two and D. I have eight. I get excited. I'm sorry. Two dad of the year award right here Mm -hmm. because M went to a Pilates class tonight and I had the kids down the street, little birthday party uh, for Cosette. Happy birthday, Cosette. She's turning six. She is in Paige's class. They're besties right now. And um, at we record typically Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time, Eastern Standard Time. And it was 7.38 p.m. And I realized I got to get three girls, six and under, in bed so I can do my podcast. And I did. I did it. Got Gold them in, medal. Washed hands, washed faces, washed feet because they were outside and like on the street and it was pretty grimy. Um, brush teeth, water, bed. I, there's a very good chance that one of them will probably be down here at some point, you know, <laughs> but it is what it is. And but you then, still get the medal. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, speaking of Lucy, it's bedtime, bud. Wow. Okay. You can tell her to stop. Okay. All right. So, Lewis, my three-year-old, she just, like, read this story. It's like, um, I don't know. It's like this guy with, like, invisible. He's, like, invisible, but he has pants. And I don't know if, like, people, I can't remember what the story is, but it's, like, kind of creepy. And she's, like, freaked out by it now. So, thank you, story writer. Invisible pants, man. The invisible. No, not invisible pants. 
that would be bad for a children's book. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we had 22 minutes, birthday party, to bed. Boom. A little little hiccups, but we're all good. (laughs) Gold gold medal. Gold medal. There we go. Uh, Okay. And then D, A2D, also, if you know that movie, you are in Jeff and I and Sean Muncy's good graces. 100%. A2D. D, this has got me fired up, Vex. So I literally today had a two-hour conversation on the phone with a former player of mine. Wow. Yeah. So a player that I coached at Cornell. And dude, he's just like an awesome guy. And like, that's why you get into coaching, right? Like just those relationships and stuff. And he's still playing pro hockey and, you know, he's getting a little bit older now and, you know, starting to think about life after hockey a little bit and kind of call just to get some advice because he wants to stay in hockey and stuff. And man, like, oh, just having the ability, like to be a mentor, be a leader, be a coach. There's nothing there. Like these kinds of things are why you do it. Yeah. You know? This is, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years. But no, it's probably not. He's told me this is going to be his 10th year pro. Like 10 years later, we're still having these conversations. And it was like two hours, man. And the like the really cool part about it too is like, I feel like as everybody gets older, you get a little bit more vulnerable. You get a little bit more like apt to share stuff and things like that. And we just had like a really open and honest, awesome conversation about his time at Cornell. And like, we were talking about like things we would have done differently and like talking about like our team dynamics when, when he was there. And like, I was kind of filling him in on some stuff that like conversations we had as coaches and like things that we were kind of like trying to figure out with the team and stuff. And it was just like really, really cool to be able to connect with him on that level. And I don't know, man, it like made me feel so good and like, I'm like flying high a little bit because of it. Just that's like, that's the best part about it. And like, we need to remember that. And a lot of what we talked about, cause he's playing still pro hockey at a really, really high level. And, um, like we just talked about how important team dynamics are. Yeah, that's cool. And that's just so like cool. winning teams, what, what constitutes a winning team, losing teams, what constitutes losing teams. And like, honestly, a lot of it, what came down to, and this is what I'm passionate about is just culture. And like how much buy-in, how much players love each other. Like, you know, what, what, like the hanging out away from the rink, how important that is. Like guys, like just like wanting to be around each other and stuff. And I don't know. It's just like a really, really cool conversation. And uh, I, I think like, man, just being able to do that. And I'm sure you do that with guys that you've like coached in the past, whether it was like in the gym or on the ice, like, I don't know. It's just really, really cool. Yeah, there's nothing better. That's awesome. Two-hour awesome. conversation, too. Yeah, that's so cool, man. I don't know the last time I've had a conversation that long. Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a long combo. That is a long combo. Yeah, man, that's really cool. Hockey's yeah. such a cool sport. That's why we do this damn podcast. Yeah, let's go. So today, we're going to do things a little differently. Our podcast producer, Steph, is going to be the one reading the questions. Hey-o. And uh, yeah, thank you so much to everybody who um, DM'd the Hockey Thing Dang podcast page on IG, also known as Instagram. And so we really appreciate that. I got a couple of X. I'm sure you got a couple. We'll do maybe a couple of those too. Uh, but really looking forward to this also. And I have not talked to you about this, Vex, but I talked to Steph about it. We should do it where sometimes we go a little bit longer with our answers. Sometimes we give ourselves like a time limit. So let's give ourselves a time limit. We got a lot of questions to get through. So let's do a time limit of like four minutes. Yeah. So if we get to four minutes, boom, there's like the buzzer that goes off and we got to go to the next question. So we have to be very precise. Booyah. With our answers. Let's run it. Ready? Steph, you ready to go? Ready. 
All right, here we go. What do you got for question one? All right. So first question we're going to throw at you guys is, why does Vex not have a megaphone in the gym? <laughs> uh, megaphones are actually really hard to find. Good ones. I had a megaphone. Uh, I had two separate megaphones for two separate years, and they're just heavy. You got to carry them around, carry them all day. Um, my dad actually bought me, I, I had a really bad problem with my, um, voice box. Uh, the first three years I retired, like my voice was gone when I met Kylie, she didn't know what my voice sounded like for probably like eight months. Um, but my dad got these headset microphones that like aerobics instructors wear. And I said, dad, that looks ridiculous. I love you. I, I don't think I can ever wear this thing. I'll just lose my voice. So I'm it's an like idiot. the podcast headphones and speaker that we, or the microphone that we used to wear. <sighs> we should have, I wish we had pictures of those stupid things. We looked like <laughs> I'm such, sure we can get some. We look like such idiots, but yeah. Uh, great question. Um, I definitely should have. I'm working harder, not smarter. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we so go. Uh, this one came from Instagram about a week or two ago. Um, just wondering, one episode, Toph said he likes a bunch of motivational, positive stuff on his timeline to trick the algorithm. I've been looking for accounts to follow that aren't just traditional, these are quotes in front of a mountain range style. Would either Jeff or Topher be willing to share or post their favorite and recommended inspo follows? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, I will. Vex, you probably got some too. Um, for me, like I love to follow um, like really high level successful entrepreneurs because um, they're always talking about like leveling up from a life standpoint, which can translate to whatever it is that you're doing. And so, like some of my favorite follows: Gary V, um, Craig Ballantyne. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Like uh, Mel Robbins, Ed Milet. Joel Marion, like these are people that like I, I just think like make you think. Alex Hermosi is like this big entrepreneur business guy um, that always has a lot of really good stuff on there. Um, and then it's funny, like I love to follow, and I couldn't tell you any of like what their actual things are, but when I go to reels, like search reels or whatever, and I just kind of scroll through, I feel like half of my videos are of Kobe Bryant based on the algorithm that I've created. And it's unbelievable. Like Kobe. RIP man, like he was the best, like talk about motivational speaking and somebody that like has the discipline and motivation just like, and we've talked on the podcast about how like you need accountability structures. Like this was like one of the few people ever in the world that I don't think needed that. He was just like that self-motivated. Um, and just hearing him talk about different things. Uh, amazing. I get a, like a lot of like Michael Jordan stuff that comes up on my um, I don't, it's not timeline, but my reels when I kind of scroll through or whatever. So, um, I like listening, um, and following like really high level entrepreneurs and then, you know, a lot of like motivational sports, not necessarily people, but pages. Yeah. Love that. I love all those. All those guys are all guys. I, I was going to say Hermosi, amazing. Ed Milet, amazing. Gary V, amazing. Um, you know, obviously everybody's heard of David Goggins, I would assume. Um, he's really good. I'm a big fan of Andy Frazella. He says, uh, you know, he's very conservative in a lot of things he says, though, too. But, like, if you're looking for motivation and, like, from somebody who's grinded to be, you know, he's probably almost a billionaire now. Um, literally, like, the the things that he went through to build his business. Very, very cool. Um, who else? 
Terrible. So I'm trying to look through my fit by Kiki. Fit, fit by Kiki, my fiance. She's a badass. She does put a lot of awesome stuff that uh, is very motivational, very very real. I'm trying to like look through my Instagram here right now. You know, you have 20 seconds. Yeah. Okay. 20 seconds before our question. Time. You, dude, you before named your timer. Yeah, you named all of the guys who I was gonna name. Like that's those really are funny. We favorite. never talk about that, but we still like follow the same people. Yeah, uh, Austin Yoakum is a strength coach. I've been on his podcast before. Awesome guy. He puts out a ton of stuff about just like getting better mentality. So I guess I'll finish with that one since you, dude, you crushed it. That list is my list. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. All right, Steph, what you got? All right, best way for players to reach out to junior or college coaches and initiate communication, like a short email, a text, include videos, upcoming schedules. I'll let Tove take this one, but as I'm scrolling through the people I follow, I wanted to mention uh, two people that have been on the podcast before also, Matt Calderoni and Ricky Mendez. If you haven't listened to those episodes, I don't even know if we have Matt Calderoni's first episode. I I don't think that may be a lost one. We should put that one out. I think it's one of the best episodes, most impactful we've ever done. I tell everybody to listen to that episode first. Um, but those two guys are also awesome too. So Toph question with the, uh, how to reach out to junior teams. Awesome. Possum. Um, I think that you can absolutely reach out via email to junior teams. Uh, I would email assistant coaches, um, in the college level or director of hockey operations or like, you know, not necessarily the head coach, but assistant coaches at the, um, at the junior level, because the head coaches are kind of coaching. And and the assistant coaches do the heavy lifting when it comes to that stuff. Uh, if you do reach out, do not write a five paragraph essay. They will not read it. I guarantee it. Uh, just little bullet point stuff like, Hey, my name is this, this is my team. Here's my stats from last year. Here's a couple people that know me that you might know, whether it's your coach advisor, whatever it may be. Um, here's some games that I'm going to be playing at in the near future. Thank you for your time. That's it. Bullet point format the coach should be able to read it in less than a minute. Um, The reason why is because coaches get a lot of those. And um, what they will do is they will put your name into their scouting system software, whatever software that they have. Uh, Most people do not do it by pen and paper anymore. (laughs) Most people actually have legitimate scouting software where they can keep track of those kinds of things. So like when we would get this, uh, like when I was coaching at Cornell, I would do, we had this thing called tracking. So for people that reached out to us, we would, you know, write like, Hey, like this person reached out to us. And then when we would print out the rosters or have it on our iPad to go watch a game, that person would show up as somebody that had interest in coming to our university. So we would pay a little bit of extra attention, um, to that person. One thing I did not say that you should put on there is your grades, put your grades on there as well. Um, big thing for coaches to understand and, and to know to see if they can recruit you or not based on if you can get into their school if you're college. So um, yeah, keep it very short, bullet point format, the the, the essentials of who you are, uh, what type of player you are. Don't make it a long five paragraph essay. Make sure you put some references on there because we'll make some calls to people that we know if we know those people and uh, go from there. So that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. I mean, you were the college coach, you know, that's that's your area of expertise. I just I just say you know send it, boys. Send it to talk. To, tell them who you are. Don't be. Don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't be afraid to send it. You know. Yeah. If, if sure. you haven't been talked to, don't be afraid to send it. Like you you guys respected that. You liked that. Like it shows initiative. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You're not bugging people. 
do it. You're bugging people if you write a five paragraph essay mm. or if your parents <laughs> write it. <laughs> um, but if you do it, you reach out, keep it short and sweet. That's, that's never a bad thing. Love it. How can players on a high school team keep getting better? Even if the coach coaches an older or outdated style of hockey. Ooh, good question. Go ahead, Vex. I'd say, um, first and foremost, oh, it's so hard because there are coaches who are obviously going to coach like that, but like you can't think that way. You've got to buy into the system first and foremost. If you want your team to win and you want your team to do well, um, and scouts like to go watch teams that win and do well versus the teams that lose, the whole team has to buy into the system. Tof and I have talked about this at at nauseum throughout the last four years that that it, like it doesn't really matter the system if everybody's bought in at 100 you're gonna all be you know doing the right things know where each other are be able to make reads stuff like that so i would say that first and foremost um but other than that you know do more make practices harder like find a way in every drill in practice find a way to add another layer every single drill whether that's you have to pass it off the boards in a shooting drill um, and pick it up off your backhand off the boards, or you're going to stutter step push right before you shoot or pull right before you shoot in a shoot. Like it doesn't matter. Find a way in every single drill to get better. And uh, the more that you talk about, th this is just like kind of like a side piece that goes along with that. The more that you say out loud, our coach isn't good. Our coach sucks. He has bad systems and stuff. Things will never get better. They will never, I've never been on a team where anyone says out loud to other guys, parents are talking, this coach doesn't know what he's doing. This coach sucks, blah, blah, blah. It never, that never makes anything better. Um, you know, if they're a high school team, maybe you get the captains together and you go to the coach and you say, Hey coach, we really want to run a blank, whether that's a new four check, a new D zone, whatever. If all the captains and older players get together and say, Hey, Hey coach, we, we really want to run this. Like, can we try this? See what he says. All right. It's going to be better than you guys all sitting there, you know, talking shit about him and, uh, that will not help anything. So Vex, I think that is an unbelievable point. And like, I'm going to base probably a lot of my answers off this conversation that I had with, uh, with the player that I coached today. And one of the things that we were talking about was how important the conversations away from the rink between teammates are. So like when you're hanging out socially, you're kind of hanging out away from the coaches and stuff. And like the worst thing that you can do is have like a bitch fest about yes. the coaches, other players, the systems. If you're at a school, the whatever it is, right? Like that is so contagious and I talk about this in my team building all the time when I travel around a new team building and I talk about how important those conversations are. And there's a difference between a friend and a teammate. Okay. So when somebody is complaining and somebody's being negative, what does a friend usually do? A friend usually kind of like says, Yeah, you know, you're probably right. And yeah, you're getting screwed. Or, you know, yeah, I know you're not getting enough ice time. You should be on the power play, blah, 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 blah. A teammate, like a true teammate, somebody that cares about you, says, hey, we can't have this negativity. Go talk to the coach. <laughs> you know, like, let's do something about it. Like, this negativity is contagious and we can't be doing this. And, and I think that is a huge part to 
having a successful bought in together, good culture team. I think for everybody that's listening, especially like players that have played at a high level or parents that have, you know, been a part of a company and the water cooler talk, like when that water cooler talk is negative and bitching about other people, that is the recipe for disaster for the culture of a company. So if you truly want your company, your team, your friend group, whatever it is to be successful, you really have to be mindful of those conversations. And when they do get negative, don't let it get negative. You got to nip that stuff in the bud and say, okay, what can we do to solve this problem? Usually it's go talk to the boss, go talk to the coach and let's all get on the same page or talk to the person that's, you know, causing the drama or causing all the crap. Right. Um, so great point to get back to the, the question I think that if you are upset with how the coach is running things, then you need to talk to the coach. That's the only thing that you can do. You can work hard and buy into whatever outdated systems that the coach has, because like Vex, you said, there's no team that has ever won a championship that isn't hundred percent fully bought in. Um, and you know, do it in the right way. Don't go in saying, you know, with a negative attitude of this doesn't work and blah, 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 go in asking questions. Hey, I don't understand why we're doing X, Y, and Z. I'm trying to get better. If you go in, like you said, with a captain's group or a leadership group, come in being like, hey, we just want to understand, you know, or, and then like, we listen to, we, we've watched this, or we listen to this podcast, or, you know, I saw something on NHL, you know, TNT, where they were talking in between periods about, something that relates to what's going on and, and, and like, be like, Hey, like, can we try this? Or what do you think about this? And at the end of the day, the coach, you might be like, you might be tough. You might be screwed. The coach might be just that outdated and he doesn't care what you want to say. <laughs> and, and then I'm sorry, there's nothing you can do. Just got to eat it. You, you got to work to the best of your ability. You got to find ways to make it fun in practice. Like Jeff, we've, we've done a whole podcast episode on this. You can go and listen to it, create competitions, you know, do team buildings, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, and there's coaches out there that are like that. And I hope for your sake that you are not playing for one of those coaches. I think most coaches will take feedback and, and want to help and maybe want to grow, maybe want to change. And maybe you talk to that coach and you go in and the coach gives you a reason why you're doing things that way. And you're like, oh, that actually makes sense. And good. I will, I will buy into that. Let's go. <laughs> maybe you teach the coach something. It, 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 there's, it's just like, you have to, you have to talk to the coach and you have to do it in a way that's more conversational. I want to learn rather than going in and saying, I know better than you and we need to be doing this. Yes. Love it. I think we went a little uh, bit far on that one, but I think that was a really good question. No, I love it. I think it's super important. I, I especially think too, like that level going in with the captains or a group of four guys or something. I think that would probably help a lot. Just like if the systems are really that bad and you want guys want to run a different system or whatever, and just being like, coach, what do you think if we, we, we thought maybe this would work for us? Like, cause I think like, you know, four guys coming in, you put the coach on their heels a little bit and, oh yeah. Okay. Let's try that. And then you guys run you, then you guys got to kill it. If he lets you try it, you got to kill it. You can't go out there and lay an egg. And if you're scared to do that, I will tell you that at the higher levels of hockey, that happens all the time, all the time. It happens all the time where players talk to coaches and challenge and question and, you know, players today, they want to know why. And I think they have a right to know why. And so there's no problem in going in and asking why. Don't oh, demand and uh, don't like be mean and, and don't like go in there saying like, you don't know what you're doing. 
you do it in a productive way where you can potentially find some solutions to the problem of you don't enjoy the way that you're playing or whatever it is. Love it. Great cool. answer, Taff. So the answers to that question actually lead into this next question, which is best advice for young player players learning to be team leaders. So how would a kid get to the point where he's comfortable doing what you guys just suggested? Uh, I have two words. Very good movie line. Great movie. It's called Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart. Greatest line. Be yourself. (laughs) Be yourself. (laughs) Be yourself. Be yourself. If you try to be somebody that you're not, which is what a lot of leaders do, they do it with the right intentions. I've done it. You try to be somebody that you think the team needs rather than being yourself. So I think it's going back to this conversation I had with my guy today, we talked so much about authenticity and vulnerability and how important those things are. And I think like it's, it's like a huge part of growing as a leader is understanding who you are as a leader and being the best version of that. If you're a leader that doesn't like to talk that much, but you lead by example, you don't need to talk that much. Maybe there's somebody else on the team that can, because there's like, even though there's usually one captain on a team, there's more leaders than that. And somebody else can step up and be the rah-rah guy or whatever, because that's who they are. They're more comfortable in doing those kinds of things. If you are that guy, great. If not, no big deal. Maybe lead by example. You know, maybe you're somebody that like is a social person that can really look and see that when people are down, I need to go and, and have a conversation with that person, whatever it may be. Right. So like, just be yourself, be authentically you, especially if you were named a captain, there's a reason why don't change that. Like be you, be the best version of you. And that's the best way that you can be a leader. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Tove killed that with the, how to talk to the coach. I think the other th- parts of, of being a leader, what Tove said, massively important, be yourself. Um, at all times. So like, if you're the guy in the room who, who's, always keeping it light and having fun. And that's, that's what you do when you're a captain, you do the same thing. Uh, you know, if you're the guy who's, you know, more dedicated, more focused, whatever, like that's how you have to be, be, be that way and be that way for the team too. teach guys how to be that way, you know, and the loose guy can teach the guys who are too tight to help them loosen up. So like, think about your strengths and how those strengths can help, um, all the different guys in the room. Um, and, and, I guess the first one B behind be yourself is like lead from the front, like lead by example, always like go first in line, you know, like, and to go first in line, that means you got to be paying attention. So you know exactly what the drill is and you don't kill it. Right. You know, like if 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 you're down a goal and and there's 30 seconds left, like you got to be the guy who wants to get out there. That doesn't mean you will, you know, it's coach's decision, but like be the guy who wants to get out there you know, you're up a goal and you got to eat a five on three, you know, you're going to eat three one timers with a couple minutes left. Like be the guy who wants to do that. Like be that guy, be that guy who's going to sacrifice for the rest of the guys or the rest of the girls on the team, you know, like just always, always lead by example. And also think about the best leaders you've ever had, all of them, whatever type of leadership style they were, they had, and they expressed and take the best things from them in a way that you can make it your own, um, whatever that means. Love it. I love it. Let me add one more thing really quick too. I know we're going over our time limit for this question, but I really like well, talking about you're dead stuff. to the listeners now. You're dead to me. Um, I, I think a really good skill, and we kind of mentioned this in the last question, 
again, and now I'm going back to my conversation with a former player. You guys are going to get sick of me saying that, but I'm really enjoying, like, I'm just really pumped about that conversation. Um, I think the more that leaders and coaches are on the same page, the better your team is going to be and the better your culture is going to be. So I think if you want to be a leader of your team, you have to get comfortable in opening the door and talking to your coaches about issues with the team. Um, And I'm not talking about like gossipy, stupid issues. I'm talking about like, you know, if you need to challenge the coaches, somebody's, you know, if somebody's struggling, Hey coach, I think this guy needs a hug from you right now, whatever it is. I think the more comfortable you can be as a kid going in and advocating and talking to your coaches, that's such an unbelievable life skill to have to begin with, but also like as coaches and good coaches, like we want to be on the same page as the players on the team. A lot of times when there's issues on a team, there's a disconnect between what the players are thinking and how they're feeling versus what the coaches are thinking and how they're feeling. And sometimes the coaches just don't know, right? And they have good intentions and they want what's best, but like sometimes there's just a, a disconnect for whatever reason. So I think the more that you can develop the skills of talking to your leaders, coaches, whoever, I, I just think that's a good skill to have moving how do you how do you get better at that skill by just doing it (laughs) yeah just nike that ish you just just gotta keep doing it because i was a captain on every team like back to like being a little kid i was either the captain or the assistant and it was very weird and awkward for me going into the coach's office when i was younger and i just because i was always a captain i just kept having to do it kept having to do it and i got more and more and more and more comfortable and that has massively served me in life after hockey massively served. I walk into any meeting. I'm not nervous at all. Nothing will be more nervous than me talking to the guy who controls my playing time, which controls how much money I make. Nothing will make me more nervous than that. You know, like I, and it's the same, even if money's not involved, even if you're an amateur, the guy who's controlling your playing time, because you know, that's the only thing you love in the world is hockey. Like, so the more that you can do that and coaches, the more that you can, um, push your players to want to do that, right? Like that's a big life skill that you're going to help them hone in on that will serve them for the rest of their life after hockey. And I will say that like from my experience this year, coaching with NAR, like it's a gift of his, like the boys are not afraid to go in and talk to him. Okay. So, so, so what did he do to make that the the vibe the atmosphere did he say something up front did he always keep hound you know saying come in or it was just how he acts with the team that it made him feel comfortable i think all of the above honestly i think okay. like our motto for our program is good dudes only and how you treat people is like a really important big thing and you know i think one of the things he does is he accepts faults when he's at fault, which I think when you can do that in front of a team or in front of players, I, you know, I was, you know, I, I was wrong here. I messed up. Like it just humanizes you a little bit and it, it puts you on kind of like the same level as the players, as opposed to I'm a coach and I'm way up here and you're just mm-hmm. a player and you're down here. Do as I say, not as I do. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that he puts a lot of time into the relationships with the players and makes it a priority of his to talk to guys all the time and treat them well and treat him with respect. And I think with that, I, he does a lot of video too. So a lot of that relationship building, he's, you know, like he's unbelievable with doing video stuff. And so that's another way to kind of like develop that relationship. And, you know, guys were, 
I'm sure there might've been players that weren't comfortable. There always is on a team. Um, but I, I think he did a really, really good job of that this year. And just in our coaches offices, cause they're, they're like near the locker room, not in the locker room. And we had, we had guys like in our coaches offices all the time, like all the time, whether it was just to check in and say hello, whether there was like, you know, more serious conversations that needed to be had. And that was like a really cool part of our culture is like, we just, you know, the relationships between the players and the staff, I, I, I think we're, we're really, really good. And NAR set the tone for that. Love that, man. So cool. Yeah, it was cool. So, uh, yeah, damn, we went over another one. That's all right. That was, that was a That's good all right. One. That was a good one. That was a really good one. Um, okay. My oldest received an email from a director of hockey ops for a prospect camp. We want to give him opportunity for exposure, but also have to consider finances and all of that. My question is, do you have advice for whether these camps are more for money grabs or should a player take every opportunity they can and figure out the money somehow? Okay. I'm assuming this is college. If it's director of hockey ops. Um, I, I, I believe it's probably more a youth player looking at, let's say they attended like a null combine that anybody can go to. And now they're getting the onslaught of emails from junior teams. I I think it's more that. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go at this at a couple different angles because I'm thinking maybe because they said director of hockey ops, because I am a director of hockey ops that it was like, because colleges run prospect camps, um, as well, like in the summer. Um, and so what I will say is understand what these camps are and use them to get an experience, not to be recruited by that team. Um, I would say very few of the players like actually get recruited or scouted or whatever out of you know these camps. But if you can go and learn from a college staff, if you can go and learn from a high level junior team staff um, and you have the, obviously the money to be able to do it, like go have a good experience, you know, go, go learn from these people. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now don't go to 10 of them in the summer because it's not worth it. You're going to get burnt out and you're going to burn your wallet up too. Um, But if you choose like maybe your dream schools to go to X school and they're running a camp, and it's a prospect camp. And, you know, like I said, you're, it's not necessarily about being recruited, but you can go and get to know what it's like to be an athlete at that university or for that junior team. Um, so just understand kind of like that. It Just do it more for the experience, not necessarily to like go to a million of these to get recruited, to be a part of that program. I love it. I love it. I'll, uh, I'll talk about it in a slightly different way because this is one of those it depends like Tove said and also like there's so many different leagues you know things we could be talking about here college juniors whatever um i think a couple things like one how good is a player do they have do they actually have a chance to play at that level um in the future if they're young i think going to a camp in the summer when they're young one camp good idea multiple camps don't need to Um, if money's tight, don't need to go to camp. You don't need, there's not one thing that you have to do or anything that you have to do. It means you will make it or you won't make it. It's tons of all these different things. Right. Um, the other part of that I'll say is like, if you're 
let's say you're a central states player um, and you're getting a camp invite and it's more of like a, a prospect camp or like the camp before the camp. And if you do well at that, maybe you get invited to the main camp. I'll say this to you. Do you want to live the rest of your life? Not trying. Um, I, that doesn't mean you, you go to a hundred, you know, like you go to one or go to two and, and, and see what happens. Uh, obviously if money is an option, you know, you pick the one that you think you have the best chance at, or has shown the most interest in you, whatever that means and go to that one. So, you know, it sounds like money might be tight, uh, uh, with their question. So for me, it would be like, you don't need to go to those things. You need to go to a main camp to make a junior team. If you're not on a college team and you're desperately trying to be maybe only your only chance to possibly have a chance is to go to one of these camps. And if that's the case, do you want to live the rest of your life saying, I wish I would have tried because that's what's going to happen. Odds are maybe you don't make it, but at least you did everything you could. And for the rest of your life, you won't be like, wonder what it would have happened. Cause guess what? There is a couple guys who've made it out of those things. Why, why can't you be one of them? Why can't you have the opportunity, right? Nothing's guaranteed. I just don't like living with regrets. So I would say like one. No regrets. Yeah. Do you know None who of them. that is? Oh, yeah. Jennifer Aniston. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ted Lasso. We are the Millers, baby. Yeah. Good movie. All right, Steph, what you got? How much is too much time to be on the ice in the summer? Uh, does it say an age? Well, they put under 10. I suspect they have a couple kids. Under it- 10. 11 to 14 and over 15. Um, again, it depends. Like I think that I tell people to work backwards. All right. I tell people to work backwards. I think that's the smartest thing to do in terms of development. Okay. It is. Let's just say it's, uh, uh, what, what's today's date? Where's my phone? Today's date is, well, what date is this coming out? May 23rd. Let's just say, let's Today just say is June. May 23rd. Uh, let's just say June 1st. All right. June 1st is when your off season starts. You made your team, whatever. And let's just say September 1st is your first practice of the season. All right. So June, July, August, you got three months. Work backwards. Um, if you're a little kid, you probably only skating twice a week. Little kids, dude, I, you can skate as much as you want. I wouldn't skate every day. I skate every other day. I would play other sports versus skating every day or every other day. Um, just because like the biomechanics of skating is not going to uh, beat your body up too much, but I would say you're way better off playing other sports. Maybe one skate a week, maximum two would be what I would do if I had a, a son or daughter playing hockey and I would have them in other sports. I'd probably not have them do that till the middle of the summer though. I'd have them no skating at all for the first two months. Um, older players, you know, especially higher level players work backwards. So if you practice three times a week during the season, you start September 1st, I'd say for two weeks to three weeks, skate three to four times a week um, during the week. And then, you know, three to four weeks before that, do three to two skates a week, four weeks before that, maybe maybe eight weeks before that twice. And then like, you know, a week or two before that once. So like just kind of work backwards and taper yourself upwards to peaking in hockey. And you should be working out harder when you're not skating. And then as you transition, your workouts kind of reflect that. So that would be my advice. I have nothing to add. Really I guess the last thing I'll add is for the older players, you know, 13 and up. If you're going out there, like for me, obviously fun, always have fun. But like, I'd be out there like 30 to 45 minutes and I would just keep my details tight. I'd be dialed. I'd have fun, but I'd be dialed. 
rather than stay out there for two hours, just messing around the whole time. Like sure. I, I'd rather be out there dialed scrimmage the last five to 10 minutes dialed skill work before that that'll pay off. Yeah. And I feel like injuries happen when you're just like scrimmaging for like an hour ever. And you're taking two and a half minute shifts, bad habits, you know, that's like the worst. And that's what most people do in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Keep it tight. Keep it tight. Keep it tweet. Yep. Uh, any hydration powders or something similar that you like for those that don't love just plain water? Uh, I like first form hydration sticks personally. Um, they sell them on firstform.com. If you go to my Instagram uh, bio and click the link, then go down to first form for my link tree. Um, they're linked right there. Really good quality. Uh, I feel great. I drink them a lot of mornings. I got nothing. I drink water. So sorry. <laughs> All right. Last one from the uh, Instagram DMs. What age should or could kids start taking creatine? Vex, go ahead. Uh, I've I talked no to idea. a lot of people on this. A lot of people say they could start taking it like young, like nine, 10 years old. Creatine is in our body naturally. It's also in food. It's in a lot of meats. Um, so you're already ingesting it. It's really good for your brain, uh, really good for recovery. Um, it's just really good in general. Pretty much like everybody should be taking creatine as long as you're not allergic to it or you have any kind of reaction, obviously. Um, the only creatine that I recommend um, to anyone and the only creatine I let my clients, my athletes take is, again, first form. It's a green checkmark certified, so you know there's no crap in it, no fillers, no anything like that. Um, that, again, is linked on my bio in my Instagram. Whoever wrote this, if you have questions, just DM me and I can send you the link. There you go. Boom. I got nothing to add. All right, I have a few more questions. I got some on my IG. Hi. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna kind of group these two here because they're both about leadership and culture. And I think we talked a lot about it already, but these are good questions. What's the best way to empower your leadership group to develop culture? And then favorite team building activity specifically for Bantam Age kids. Mm. Empower your leadership group. Yeah. Um. Is that the same age, Bantam, or is that? Let's the, yeah. I mean, this is kind of Bantam. I consider kind of like, like higher kids. level. So yeah. Um, bring them in and and be ha, be honest with them. You know, like talk to them, uh, uh, man to man. I think that when you're younger, like when a coach kind of like tells you things that are kind of like behind closed doors that other players don't know. Um, not like gossip or anything like that, but like, you're just kind of telling them the plan. I think that that motivates them and makes them feel special and important. Um, and then like, give them some responsibility, like put some responsibility on their shoulders. They're your leaders. Those are the ones who, you know, you would assume can handle it. Um, and then also just like teach them how important culture is in winning. Like be very specific, show them examples, show them, you know, Tof and Dorado's Michigan team this year and all the things that they did and, and, and team bonding and culture and, and, you know, all these different rules the team had and, and standards they upheld, like show successful teams to those leaders and be like, look, we can, we can win this. If our culture is like this, like show them the carrot, why do we need to do this? Um, and just empower them to go out there and, and do it. Okay. I like that. I like that. I have a couple specific examples that I can talk about because the one person asked, like, do you have a favorite team building activity for Bantam? So this is something I did with my midget team that I coached. 
And what I did is um, this kind of like values activity that tied into what our identity was going to be. Identity is everything when it comes to sports, like who you are and how you act and how you play as much. It's like everything. Identity is everything. And so we did this values activity where like everybody came up with their top value for who they are as a person. And then we kind of like went through it and we made an identity board for our team. So like the players chose five words that they wanted our team to embody as our identity. I got a board made. We took it with us on the road. Like it was hanging up in our locker room. Um, And so it was just like a neat little activity that like put the onus on the players to talk about who we wanted to be. And I had nothing to do with the conversation other than just like kind of guiding it, you know? Um, So that was like just one specific team. But like, honestly, like I think if we're talking about youth hockey, Banamade specifically, just like do team meals. (laughs) <laughs> like on the road, do things as a team, go to top golf, um, go to a movie, you know, um, just like little things like that. And I think managers are really, really, really important when it comes to those things. I think the coach should really work with the manager to make sure that your team is doing fun things on the road where they can kind of bond and stuff like that. Um, I think, you know, you talk about empowering your leadership group, let them be leaders you don't have to solve every problem. You know, if the team's not playing well, bring the leaders in and ask them what they think we need to do as a team and how can I help? And I want you guys to take charge of policing the locker room or being the person that's going to, you know, kind of lead where this ship is going. And I think just by having those conversations, and I think it's something that you can do. Like, I think the best coaching staffs actually have leadership groups that they meet with maybe maybe not once a week, but maybe every other week, just to kind of get a pulse and kind of get a sense of what's going on. And then when you talk about what's going on, the solutions shouldn't be from you as a coach. The solutions should be from the group. And you should ask, well, what do you think? Coach, like, blah, 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 blah. Well, what do you think we should do? <laughs> you know? And, and and the answers don't always come from you. I think the answers and and challenge them to be leaders and to confront people who need to be confronted and hold people accountable and whatever. Um, so I just think like being kind of strategic with leadership groups and, and systematic with how you meet with them and then literally empowering them by asking them what they think they should do and then letting them do it. And they might not have the right answers or they might not, you know, come with the right solution and do the right thing but they'll learn from it. And then the next time you meet with them, then you talk about it. What can we do differently and blah, blah, blah. So just that, that communication stream, I think is really important. I love that. Is it, is it hard to watch them maybe not pick the best solution and, and then watch it play out? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, like, you know, like it's the same thing with like parenting as a kid, if you hold their hand, and do everything for them, they're not going to learn. They're not right. going to get better. Yeah. They're just going to learn how to be robots. Yeah. So it's the same thing with like skills on the ice and allowing them to make plays, like allow them to the freedom to make mistakes when it comes to the people side of being a part of a team. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's so cool. Awesome. Just let them, let them like, like as the coach, 
first of all, you don't have all the answers because you're not the one that's like hanging out away from the rink and in the hotel and stuff. Like players know each other better than you know the players. I guarantee you that. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so like, yeah, let them let them make mistakes and and guide them and answer questions and talk about it with them. But at the end of the day, like any team that is great is typically policed from the players, not the coach. I love that. To follow thee more clearly. (laughs) To see thee. Yes, that's awesome. I love Um, it. I think that was a major point you just made at the end there, though, too, Um, where I was coming in with my oohs and ahs, is that, that the players know each other a lot better than you do. No doubt about it. So Yeah, like one of the best podcasts I think that we've done is with Jen Baker, it was a long time ago. I don't even know if you would remember this, but she is the athletic director at Johns Hopkins now. Yeah. And she did like a leadership program for us at Cornell. And one of the things that she talked about is you're a teammate 24 seven. You're not just a teammate for the two hours or whatever that you're at the rink. Like you're a teammate 24 seven and things that you do away from the, the rink will affect your culture, which will affect how you do on the ice. You know, so yeah, like players, like, like let's talk about in college, like when you go out, you know, like if you do something dumb at, at midnight and, you know, drink too much or get in a fight or like, that's going to affect things. <laughs> um, And so like your, your teammate and what you do affects the team all the time, not just when you're at the rink and having that realization, especially as a coach, that so much goes into your culture that happens outside of your purview. And, and having a recognition of that and then, you know, developing leaders who can um, help out with that. It's everything, man. Absolutely everything. Talked about that with my boy today, too. What's up, boy? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, is your, why is your is boy we... Voldemort? Because you just keep calling your boy. You don't say his name. Yeah, I know. I, feel, I don't know. It's kind of weird feeling. Feel weird about it? Okay. Yeah. All right, He's been on the go. podcast, actually. Oh, I'm going to have to guess who it is. All right, Voldemort. Um. Anyways, so uh, why is college hockey so underrated compared to major juniors? I would say that it's not anymore. I don't think that's a accurate that's statement. A, that's an inaccurate statement, I, I would say. Like a third of the NHL actually comes from college now, and a lot of players are coming from Canada to come play college hockey. That's not a diss against major junior hockey because there's a lot of really good major junior hockey programs and coaches, Um. but I don't think it's underrated anymore. I mean, yeah, definitely not. Not even close. Uh, when watching a hockey game or game film, what do you look for? So let's do this. In t- I don't know if that if they're talking about a team. I'm probably thinking they're talking about an individual. So like, let's go back to Jeff Levecchio, the player. You said, oh, you say a lot that you wish you would have watched more video um, when you were younger for your own development. So like, what kinds of things would you look for in wanting to develop as a hockey player on video? Is it is it watching my own video or just yeah. watching hockey? Uh, I don't know. Whatever you want. Well, I would say like specific. watching hockey. I tell all my guys like whatever position you play, just zero in on that position. Like a couple shifts a game, a couple shifts a period. Actually, like pick a guy you want, you think you play like, you want to play like, and just ISO cam him, and just watch everywhere he goes. Watch his head. Watch his toe caps. Watch his stick. 
watch his shoulders, literally watch every, watch how he's talking, watch every single thing he does everywhere he goes on the ice. And it's hard. Like don't lose him. Like literally, especially now it's awesome because you can rewind live TV. A lot of people. So like, that's so dope. So like, you can just like watch everywhere he goes on the ice, watch his head, watch his shoulders, watch his toe caps, watch everything he's doing. And then you can rewind it that same shift and then watch it like 10,000 foot view more of just like watching the play and where he fits in and what he's doing or she's doing at the time. Right. And do that for a couple of different shifts for the same player. And then maybe do it for a couple of different shifts for a different player. Um, take notes. It's going to help you out a lot. As far as my own game, you know, I just watched like myself within uh, you know, am I playing the way I need to play doing the things I need to do? Um, like we always talk about, like try and pick like four or five things that make you your best you. And then I graded myself on those things when I'm watching video. Um, and, and, you know, did I do those things? And then the other part of that is, was I doing those things within our team's confines, our team system, our team structure, whether that's breakouts, was I in the right spot? Did my teammates know where I was? Am I hitting the holes? Am I not hitting the holes? Am I standing around? Am I making shit happen? Am I being hard to play against? That's what I'm, what I was always looking for in myself. And just like, uh, you know, I like to look at the things I did really well. And I watch those over and over and over. Cause that's instant, um, instant, uh, uh confidence builder. But I, then I would also be like, okay, well, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. And then I would write that down, take it to the rink, and then work on that. A lot of people don't do that last part. They don't write it down. They say, okay, I need to work on that. Then they don't write it anywhere. Then they go to the rink and practice. And they never practice what they see all the time in video. Write it in a notebook. Take it to practice. Read the notebook right before you go on the ice. And then you can build in those things into your drills. Bake in the things that you personally need to work on into your practice drills. Write that down. Write that down. A movie. 275,000. No, no, that's Dumb and Dumber. Um, Write that down. Oh, uh, 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 same guy from Just Friends. Uh, Bam Wilder. There we go. I was was like getting close to kind of like saying it, but then I did not. Uh, I think what you said about the video is really good. I think if you're a kid and you have a favorite player that you want to play like, definitely ISO cam on that player and what they do. And then I would say like, I think like go to YouTube and watch how goals are scored and just like do a little project of like, Mm. Oh, this is like, and just like, look at like trends, like of how goals are scored and like, kind of like just do a little project yourself. (laughs) Like, I think that's something that could be fun. Um, I think that's something that would, would be of interest for kids that are out there and like, they might find something. And a lot of times what you're going to see is that you should probably go to the net with your stick down. And most of the goals are scored right in front of the net where you're going to want to score goals, get to the, get to the hard areas. Um, but like, there may be some little skill things that you see from one of your favorite players from watching them, you know, score their goals or your favorite team. Like maybe there's like a little trend or a tendency that the team does that shows maybe you you're interested in learning about the power play. Well, like look at the power play goals and how are those goals getting scored? I think watching goals and kind of like tracking those things can be really good for your education as a coach or a player. And so, you know, just do a little project of how you see goals are are being scored. But yeah, I like what you said. Like, you know, look at a player, if you're watching a game and there's a player that you want to kind of model your game after, just kind of zone in on that person for sure. Yeah. Hilarious story. 
I maybe I've told this on the podcast before. I don't know. I think it was the coyotes that called me uh, after my sophomore year. Two hilarious things about the story. Just remember another one. But they asked me, who's your favorite player? You know, who do you like to play like in the NHL? Guys, I didn't watch hockey. I had no idea what to say. I had no idea what to say. I was like, um, um, and I literally was like, uh, I don't know, Peter Forsberg mixed with Joe Sackick, like something stupid. They're like guys that I liked when I was a kid and I barely watched hockey then. And I remember the 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 GM being like, Oh, okay. Um not signing you. Yeah. Well, another funny part, another funny thing is they thought I was a senior and I was a sophomore. And they're like, Yeah, you know, you're gonna have teams to choose from, blah, blah, blah. Talking about signing and and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a sophomore. And they were like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, you guys sound oh like you did God. your homework. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why the coyotes stink. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Trying to sign guys like me. <laughs> that's not good. That's not no, good. No, it's pretty funny. Okay. A uh, couple more questions here. I have one. How do you, as a head coach, bring a team together? And I'm just going to say at the youth level, um, this is a, this is a really good question. I think. How do you, as a head coach, bring a team together at the youth level when different players have different levels of commitment? Some want to achieve high performance. Others just want to have fun. Some parents are super committed. Some are just along for the ride. I think this is a phenomenal question that plagues a lot of people at the youth hockey level. Vex, what do you got? I love this question. And uh, over the weekend, um, I was with uh, a bunch of entrepreneurs and we, we we always talk about like business and culture and business and like we're obsessed with like that type of stuff and they asked this because they're adding more and more employees and uh and i told my buddy something that's everybody's different but some has really worked really really well for me and it doesn't matter the age is um all constantly providing positive feedback that in front of everyone for the for the people who are players who are doing the best. And I don't mean the best by like innate ability, like little things, like they pick up the locker room, do that little detail, stop the practice. Hey, I want everybody to give Nate a hand right here. He picked up the locker room, last guy in. That's what we're talking about. That's the culture we want guys. You know, and now, now the next kid, Oh, well, I want everybody to clap for me. Like I'll clean up today. And it's the same thing with like everything effort in the gym, effort in practice. I, I, you know, when I used to have to train younger players um, and, and, you know, players that maybe like lower, lower uh, uh, skill levels, um, that's what I did. I didn't, you know, pee slap, you know, the kids doing everything wrong or not trying. They didn't want to be there. I would just pump the tires of the players who were there, committed, wanted to be there, always working hard, always on time. I would just relentlessly pump their tires and never the other kids. And what happens very quickly is the other kids would bring their level up because they wanted a tire pump. And as soon as they did, I would. So now it's a positive feedback loop. Oh, if I just work a little harder, I get a cookie. Oh, if I work a little harder, I get a, I get an, an attaboy. And so, um, but they've got those players who don't want to be there or whatever, like they, they've got to earn it. You don't just give it to them, but you, you only give it to the players who are, you know, your hardest workers doing everything right, paying attention. And for me, that has worked with literally from, from the NHL down to nine-year-olds. Very awesome points. I think it's great. Uh, I will address the other part of the question, which is the parent part. Um, I think in a youth hockey team, let's call an av- like just 
baseline youth hockey team, 10 to 20% of the parents are cooked. Absolutely crazy. Think the kids should be playing a hundred games a year. Like you think their kids going to the NHL at nine years old. Like they're certifiably insane. 10 to 20%, let's call it 10 to 20% of the parents have no idea even how to spell hockey. They've never (laughs) been involved with it. They think hockey is insane for how many games and how much travel. And they're like, what did we sign up for? This is absolutely insane. And then the other like 60 to 80% of the parents are somewhere in the middle that can get drawn one way or the other based on, you know, whatever, based on circumstances, based on the coach, based on where you live, whatever, whatever it may be. And I think number one is you have to come to an acceptance that there are going to be some parents on your team that are cooked. There are going to be parents on your team that are like, have no idea what's going on and think that it's, that it's nuts. And I think it's okay to be honest as the head coach with some of these parents. Hey, Terry, little Johnny's 10 years old. He ain't going to the NHL. Like, let's freaking pump the brakes a little bit. Or, hey, Louie, your kid hasn't shown up for 10 practices in a row. Like, it's not helping the other kids on the team. It's hard for me to plan a practice because I need a certain amount of players for certain drills, and it's really hurting the other players on the team that I want to make better. It's really important that you come to practice. You know, I think having those individual conversations is important. And I think just one of the most important things is just setting the standard at the beginning of the year for what to, what you, what, like, what a, hockey parents should be doing for this team based on the level and the commitment level and everything like that. Like, you know, like I always, when I was in the youth hockey, I would say, Hey, like being late is not, we're not, we're not doing that. That's a bet. Like parents, you gotta be on time. And if you're not just text me and let me know, because if I have to start a drill by doing another drill, because I don't have a player there, a couple players or whatever, then I can, you know, I can plan ahead, whatever. Um, But just like setting the expectations for, everybody but in setting those expectations for everybody you know you can talk about my mission here is not to be the number one team in the country so you parents who think that that's the most important thing in the world like this ain't the place for you if that's the most important thing for you and for the parents who think that this is optional stuff and we only need to come when we feel like it that ain't acceptable either. (laughs) So just really setting the expectations at the beginning of the year for what it means to be a good hockey parent, I think can go a long way. Um, and you know, sometimes the, the, the parents who are cooked and, and crazy and nuts, like all you need to do is have that conversation with them. And then they realize that they're a little bit cooked and a little bit crazy. And they didn't realize that they were kind of like giving that vibe off. I've seen it happen before. And sometimes, you know, when you talk to these other people who are on the other end of the spectrum and they, oh, I didn't realize that like this was mandatory or I didn't realize that my kid missing these practices actually affects the other kids. So thank you for like, it can go both ways, you know, Um, set the expectations and don't be afraid to have those conversations with the parents as, as the head coach. Sound good? Get it, Jeffrey. Get it. The wires are not crossing right now. Hear me? Hear me? There we go. <laughs> Sorry, Steph. Get that out too. Stupid cord is bent. Sorry about that. Oh my um, gosh. Uh, um, okay, I know, I know we're all. 
All right, Steph, leading in. I quit. <laughs> We're not going to find anybody else to do this for 20 bucks. All right. Three, two. No, he doesn't say two. Three. I love that, Toph. But I think the most important thing you said right there multiple times is you, you get rid of a lot of these problems, or at least, you know, there's a, a precedent to be set. If you just have this meeting up front, start of the season, spring season, summer season, in season, doesn't matter, and lay out the expectations, lay out what everybody is is um, being asked to show up for what's mandatory what's not what you're going to accept what you're not going to accept lay it out in the beginning because then all you got to do if somebody's you know cooked as tope said which is now my new word absolutely love it if there's a parent that's absolutely cooked and just thinks that their kid is timu salani at four you can be like hey brad you, you remember the meeting we had in the beginning of the year all right that's what we're sticking to, man. And then you just walk away, you know, you're done. All right. You, like, you, you know it. And then if there needs to be more conversations and you can get into it more, but it'll just save yourself as the coach, a lot of time uh, and energy. Walk away. Walk, walk away, Brad. Brad. Away. Walk away. <laughs> Brad. I don't know. I haven't used Brad. We use John a lot, so I wanted Brad. I don't know. Who did I? I used Louie and somebody else. Terry. You said, a, you said a name tonight that I had not heard you say either, so that's why I went with something new. Brad. Yeah. So we have Terry, Louie, and Brad. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay, last question. Uh, the best way as a coach to expand your network of coaches? Reach out to people, man. All day, every day, talk to people that you, uh, I mean, for me, the easiest way to connect is social media, obviously. People like it, people don't like it. The amount of coaches and people that I have met through social media by just sending a DM to somebody that I respect, somebody that I learn from, somebody that I want to befriend, you know, like it's, it's like, it's insane. It's insane. And also, what's really nice about it is, you know, a lot of people are, are shy or they're, you know, I'm not shy, um, but a lot of people are. And so the great thing about social media is if you send a DM and they don't answer it, okay. Like you didn't get like rejected to your face. Like they're like, I don't have time for you. I'll call you back. They never call you. If, if they have time to answer it, if they see it, they're going to answer it. Right. So like, that's another nice piece of it. But for me, it's just like, extend your hand, go out there, talk to people, ask questions, send emails, send DMs. Don't be afraid to reach out to coaches that you respect. Now, obviously, if you're uh, an A2 coach, a double A, a triple A coach, and you're reaching out to, uh, you know, Mike Babcock, he's probably not going to answer you, you know, so like kind of like, you know, work your way up the levels. It makes sense. Um, and, and, and yeah, just just talk to people, man. I love it. And I would also say, like, if you are reaching out to people like, um. I think providing, and we've talked about this, like provide some value to them, do a project, do mm -hmm. a project on something that you're passionate about and say, Hey, I, I, you know, I did this project on stick pressure or I did this project on the power play. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time on it. Would love to hear your thoughts. And then maybe love you that. teach that person something, you know, because even play, people at the higher levels, they want to learn, they want to get better. You know, so if you put some time into a project or something like that, um, you could do that. Like when Nar and I did that power play um, deep dive where we watched every goal for one year and put that out there, 
we talked to a lot of high level coaches about that stuff because they read it and they were like, Oh, that's really interesting. And it opened the door to some relationships and some new people who wanted to talk some hockey and, um, people that are smarter than me (laughs) and were at higher levels than me. And, you know, and like, um, like, so put stuff like Vex talks about social, like put some stuff out there, you know, put some stuff out there and maybe get your name out there a little bit on social media. Um, watch some video or talk about what you're passionate about. Maybe it's not even hockey. Maybe it's something else. And so I just think be vulnerable, put yourself out there um, and, and provide some value. Coaching conferences, probably pretty good one too. I think coaching conferences are great. I think they're absolutely awesome to, to network at as well. For sure. I think those are, that's, that's a great, that's a great point as well. Speaking of, I don't know how many of you guys know this, but Tove put on uh, the hockey think tank. Um, coaching conference right the year before COVID and it was so effing nasty. It was, it rocked my socks off. If I'm going to be honest, my socks completely came off during the conference. And I, I'm just saying I, we told and I have not talked about this, but I hope he gets back to those because those were, that thing was so cool. And you brought in some really, really high level people. So I hope you do it again, man, because that was fun networking at that thing. Thanks dude. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, okay, I think that's all the questions. That was that was a lot longer than we typically do for the mailbag episodes, Hell especially yeah. when we were putting time limits on stuff, which we absolutely did not do. Mm. Um, nope. But now, would love to thank our sponsors. So, Gel Sticks, our title sponsor, gelstx.com. Go there to get your weighted training sticks, lacrosse sticks, and golf clubs. Use the coupon code Think Take One Word, and you get a discount on those things. Jeffrey. I want to thank train heroic. That's where I have all of my online training housed. It's also the way that I work with all these teams and organizations. I've actually had uh, quite a few organizations reach out over the last uh, month to two months here. Um, no, I've been sending out a bunch of emails about ways that I can help you level up your team or your organization's offerings and help your players, you know, achieve uh, um, their best self. So anybody wants to talk about how I do team training or organization training over the summer and, or in season, the whole season long, please reach out to me. Train Heroic has been awesome. Thank you to the guys at Train Heroic. Also want to say thank you to Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition is a CBD company that I am an athlete with. Absolutely love it. Um, have tons of family and friends that use it every single day. Uh, my personal favorites, because I don't always share that, is I like the uh, Serenity Gummies, uh, the Cured Euphoria CBD drinks, and also the tinctures. Uh, those are the different methods that I personally use the most. You want to try out their CBD uh, discount code GMBM at curednutrition.com. Boom. Thank you to icehockeysystems.com, the best website for all your coaching education needs. Uh, guys, we use this at the University of Michigan. Uh, it's an unbelievable tool to have. You can drop all your drills, save them, store them, send them out to your team beforehand, um, you know, before practice so they know what's going on. You can store them so you can have practice plans for later dates. Uh, just a really, really awesome way to be able to organize all of your thoughts as a coach, as well as having unbelievable resources with thousands of drills on there that you can use, whiteboard explanations about tons of different structures and systems and de- player development and skills and anything and everything that you can think of uh, as a coach. Uh, we have partnered with them to do an association platform where you can get this for every coach within your organization. Guys, this is 
absolute steal. If you don't have this for your entire organization, I think you need to get it. It just helps your coaches and their development so much, which in turn helps your players. Also, there is some parent development as well because they have the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. And so with that, you can give this to all your parents to understand what it means to be a hockey parent. A lot less emails, a lot less conversations with parents who are unhappy with what you're doing because we kind of lay it all out there. What is Don't let them be cooked. Don't let them be cooked. Exactly. So um, icehockeysystems.com. Look up the associations tab. These guys are amazing. Unbelievable product. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who continues to support the podcast. If you can, share us any way possible. Uh, help us to get the word out there. We're trying to do uh, just to make a little bit more positivity within the hockey world. So the best way to do that, if you think that what we're doing provides a pretty good positive thing for the world is to share us with your groups, whether that's on social media. Oh, Fax, what do you got? Share us. All right. Fax it to your neighbors, email, pigeon, you know, bottle, bottle note in the ocean thing. All right. Like, come on guys, we're doing this for years trying to help you keep sharing there we go so thank you thank you thank you for uh continuing to support the podcast uh we love doing these mailbags mailbags hearing from you being able to answer your questions so we hope you guys have a great week thank you thank you thank you again we love you adios amigo